make up your mind Decide to walk with me Around the lake tonight Around the lake tonight By my side In the mid-90s, there was an eclectic mix of pop music being released. Everything from Nirvana to Boys to Men to R.E.M. to Bon Jovi was winding up at the top of the charts. Grunge was morphing into alternative music. If guitar-based drums bands didn't fall into one of those categories, it was marketed as hard rock metal. In this vein, Fort Worth-based band Toadies, not THE Toadies, got lumped into the alternative category. The Daily Californian classified them as distinctly grunge and distinctly Texan in 2014. Sometimes bands just want to rock, though. Toadies were not really grunge or alternative. They were an old-fashioned rock band with great riffs and melodies. Dark topics permeated the lyrics. Screaming yet clear vocals permeated the songs. Out of this came a ubiquitous one-hit wonder that can still be heard regularly on rock radio stations to this day. Today on Hidden Jukebox, Toadies, Possum Kingdom. How, how often do you think people who know this song know what the song is called? Never. I, <laughs> the the I, words I, I, Possum I, Kingdom don't appear in the song. No, do they? Okay. I, no, and and there's nothing that references it. And even what the song is about, I still don't get why he called it that. But I said I'm pretty sure 99 percent of people who know this song have no idea what it is. I said to my girlfriend earlier this week when she asked what song we're doing, I said Possum Kingdom by Toadies, and she's like, "Oh, awesome!" And then she pauses for a minute, and then she she goes, "Is that the song that goes?" I'm like, nope, that's not it. Wait, what song is that? Uh, I don't remember the name of that song, <laughs> but it was an- another 90s hit that was okay. like, nope, that's not the right one. And I started singing this. She's like, oh, right, right. I know that song. Nobody yes. knows it. But but everybody knows the song. It is it is a great, great 90s rock song. Um, This this came at, at kind of an odd time for this kind of song, I think. Like it just it it was like, actually no, it it appeared around the same time as uh, as the that Flaming Lips song, didn't it? Am I am I getting the timeline right? Um, what was the name of that song? She uses, she don't use jelly. She don't use jelly. Thank you. Uh, I think you're getting the timeline pretty close, to right? That might have been like one two years after. What? Uh, I... she don't use jelly. 1993. Oh, one year before. Um, and how about how about uh, Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly? Well, was it Green Jello or Green Jelly? They oh, had to right. change the name. I mean, I think this, this yeah, this was a time when, like, uh, like a bunch of alternative bands uh, were getting, like, one shot. Well, right? Do you, so this album was released by, of all record labels, Interscope. Um, I think we've discussed before on the show, or maybe it was just you and me, that when we looked into Interscope, uh, it's Jimmy Iovine's, like, pet project that he started through a larger label right uh <laughs> the first three groups that interscope signed were gerardo who did rico suave right primus uh they really sailing who also did rico suave yes <laughs> and marky mark and the funky bunch and, wow and then of course interscope became more known for nine inch nails tupac and dr dre right but like who there which a and r guy went well, here's an obscure band from Fort Worth, Texas, Toadies. Let's try them on for size and see how it goes. 
Yeah, but I mean, they're so likable. That's that. Um, I went back and listened to much of the album, which I don't know if I'd ever done, and like, I, it was not quite what I expected, and it was better than I expected. This um, is one of my favorite '90s albums. It's it's full of hooks. The production is really clean, uh, and uh, you know, it really rocks. It has it has like more energy than I expected. For some reason, I thought like I, I've I've told this story on the show before. I think I really love the song "California" by Phantom Planet. Yes, uh, which what's that? Yes, I remember you saying this. Yes, and uh, and it's the it's the theme song for the show, The OC. If you're not sure what song I mean, uh, and so I'm like, hmm, I should check out the album that this song is from, and I did, and it, it's full of like total earworms, like California, but California is by far the hardest rocking song on the album, and so I thought that was going to be kind of the same the same deal here, and it's not. It's it's uh, it's an album that knows how to rock now. Do you know what movie star was a member of Phantom Planet for a short period of time? Was it the guy from Rushmore? It was Jason Schwartzman. Yes. And then he had his own his own band Coconut Records. Now now you're going out of my wheelhouse. Is that right? I have no idea. <laughs> you you can look this one up. All right. Well, I think I won that. Uh- I, I don't think either of us won anything like our our <laughs> musical knowledge is is more embarrassing than it is winning yeah, anything. Yeah, that's true. Um so uh first off I got I got to point out that the lead singer of Toadies it says on his Wikipedia page that his birth name is Vaden Danger Todd Lewis. <laughs> I tried to look everywhere to see where the Vaden Danger thing came from. And nobody puts anything on the internet about it. Not him, not anybody else. Apparently his name is really Vaden Danger Todd Lewis. Uh-huh. This, this is what they do in Fort Worth. His early influences were ZZ Top, Pixies, and Talking Heads. That's That seems pretty good. Like You, you listen to, the, to this album, and it's... It's got that ZZ Top thing his his vocals do, but like the Pixies thing, I also hear the Talking Heads thing. I don't hear at all. Um, no, I wouldn't say I hear a Talking Heads influence, but that doesn't mean that he didn't listen to a ton of Talking Heads. No, and I'm I'm not trying to say that. Uh, you know, every band wears their influences on their sleeve, but. Uh, it it was interesting seeing Talking Heads in there because this band is a far cry from that. Yeah, um, I really like his voice. Uh, I it's it's it can go from like piercingly clean to like just dirty enough. He's got a terrific range. He's got personality. Like I I want to listen to this guy all day. I finally saw this band probably around 2009 during the no deliverance tour and uh they were spot on absolutely fantastic they replaced uh two members of the band at that point but they like todd lewis sounded exactly that's i'm vaden danger vaden danger todd lewis sounded exactly the same but the only thing I could think watching him was this guy could so easily pass for a high school janitor. Now, the only picture I've seen was the picture of him on uh, the Toadies Wikipedia page. And I would say he looks more like uh, like a math teacher. Yeah, well, he does not embody rock and roll swagger by any means. But 
I discovered that there's this documentary that was made about them uh, by Clark Vogler, one of the members of the band. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and you watch them recording this album and his vocal range and his screaming and his singing are just spot on amazing. Yeah, I love like, that. Like you feel like you're watching actual takes of what wound up on the album. Mm hmm. It, it's really impressive, and and the fact that he's been able to hold on to that is really impressive. Um, let's let's dig into the song a little bit because, like the, I, I listened to it a whole bunch of times, uh, you know, preparing for this episode, of course, and kept kept kind of finding little treats. So, did you notice that the uh, the guitarist is having like possibly too much fun throughout the song with the with the whammy bar and the bends like yeah you got know, like, do 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 I love it like it's, it's so fun yeah no I I feel like there was a moment where like someone else in the band or the producer like looked and said really and he's like yeah really well uh some some internet genius pointed out that this song is a bar of seven eight and a bar of four four or you can call it fifteen eight as though that makes any difference uh in the song and uh, oh i don't think i noticed that now i'm gonna now i'm gonna be counting next time i listen it, it the only thing i will say about that is i love when a band can write something catchy that is also unusual that you can somehow nod your head to it, but you shouldn't be able to because it's not in a basic time signature. Yeah, that's interesting that it, that it just like went right past and I didn't know it. It's not Spoon Man. No, no, it's not that. Uh, now that I'm listening, the, I, I'm counting it in my head and now I got the the bar of seven. But yeah, it's very subtle. So the lyrics to this song um, are basically about him inviting somebody out to a lake to uh, burn themselves alive. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's some sort of uh very vague menace, I feel like. Yeah, like And speaking of like some some smart guy on the internet, um I went to I went to genius.com to look at the lyrics and uh someone had uh had highlighted the line behind the boathouse, I'll show you my dark secret, and this was the comment they made. The secret could be a dead body, sexual innuendo. <laughs> His vampirism, something else. The song is purposefully vague on the point. I think my favorite part of that is sexual innuendo. Like, yeah, question mark? come behind the boathouse. I'm going to show you my sexual innuendo. Yeah, we're not going to have sex. I'm going to show you my innuendo, whatever uh, that yeah. may be. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to like make make a bunch of, of dirty jokes, and you're going to be like, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> all right good hanging out behind the boathouse we'll yep. see you later all I'm gonna right go, i'm gonna, I'm gonna go get in my boat and get out of here now i'm gonna go burn myself by this lake real uh -huh. quick <laughs> um so so going over the lyrics i was like so apparently possum kingdom is the lake i i don't oh, know i don't know like <sighs> i think i found a theory but that i forgot because i was like this is dumb yeah, bands name songs really, really stupid things sometimes. Yeah, like for the most part, I, I feel like, you know, mostly it's good for the producer to like, you know, sit back and just like be there for the band to like realize their own vision. But if you if you if the band's trying to give a, a song a name that no one's going to be able to remember, like you could step in there and like make an executive decision. I just love it when uh, like the record company goes, 
Uh, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. You, you can call it whatever you want. It's a hit. We'll, we'll I mean, throw it out there. This song is definitely either called So Help Me Jesus or Do You Want to Die, yeah, right? E- exactly. Like, that's probably if you ask somebody if they know the song and you say, you know, Do You Want to Die? They'll go, oh, oh yeah. yeah I do know that's you want to die? <laughs> yeah, that's what they'll do every but, time. And by the way, the, the band still exists, and were it not for COVID, they still tour. So if this whole COVID thing ever ends, go and see Toadies. They're they're really really awesome. Yeah, I saw they had an album in 2017. Yeah, they had an album where they where they like redid some of their past songs. I never know how to feel about that. Well, I guess actually I do know how to feel about that. I always think it's a waste of time. What this one I disagree. What happened okay. was. Uh, Interscope wanted them to do another another album, obviously, because this was a hit, and they took a very, very long time to record it, like almost six years, and they uh, handed it over to them. It was an album called Feeler, and the record company totally rejected it and said, you got to redo it, and they basically said, no way, and in the middle of all this, so fed up with it, uh, their previous bassist, Lisa, Lisa Umbarger, quit the band over it and said, we don't want to do it. So the band broke up because uh, Interscope dropped them, Lisa left, and they were broken up for four years. Uh, Vade and Todd Lewis started another band with one of the members of Reverend Horton Heat. They got back together in 2006, and I think around 2010, they went back and re-recorded all of Feeler, this album that they were supposed to record for Interscope. Okay. Basically so it could be theirs and re-released it uh, through a local label that they're still on to this day uh, out of Texas. So it's like when Def Leppard had to re-record Hysteria. Did they have to re-record Hysteria so it sounded more like a guy with one arm was playing the drums? No. Um, hey, that guy's great. He like, is great. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, come on. None of us can do that. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I can't do that with three arms. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I think it was, it was the same kind of thing. Like they, they, they wanted to, to uh, like get the ownership back, but they couldn't. And so uh, like the, the label owned like the, the, the mechanical rights. And so they, they recorded a new version that sounded identical to the original. Okay, I would guess that's correct. I would I would guess that uh, Interscope had some sort of ownership rights. And... Yes, Interscope somehow got the ownership of Def, Def Leppard's Hysteria. Uh, no, uh, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're twisting my words around again. Uh, um, how did but, this turn into a Def Leppard podcast? Uh, you that, that was you, my, my you always do this. Somebody somebody last month was like. Ah, you know, I feel like you did an Offspring podcast and didn't talk about the Offspring at all. And I'm like, we talked about the Offspring. We just also talked about a lot of other stuff. Yeah, that's just you. You know, you get on this train and you go where the tracks lead you. That's 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 what I've always said. Speaking of Offspring, um, oh no, I, I I don't know why, but I've been a little bit fixated lately on how much. Uh, musicians are worth, and I think part of that is because, <laughs> because no, no, okay. seriously, because in COVID era, you go, these people don't have any way to make any money. How is somebody who tours to make a living surviving? And so you, I've been like looking into, okay, this person could easily go a couple years without doing anything and be okay. So I looked up how much. Vaden Todd Lewis is worth, and he's actually still worth just over a million dollars. What that but means, like, is that 
how do you how do you know that that information is legit? I, probably, I I don't know. Did you did you like uh you know f- subpoena him? <laughs> yes, I, I I called him. I'm like Todd. How, how does your bank account look? What what's your portfolio like? But I then looked up Dexter Holland because we had discussed that he has a PhD, which he only got in 2017. Yeah, and you know, like if you want to know who's rich, it's who has a PhD. Well, Apparently that doesn't mean anything, but selling forty million albums does. And Dexter Holland is apparently worth eighty million dollars, and that's mostly hot sauce money. Like right after we did that episode, I was listening to another podcast, and someone was talking about how her favorite hot sauce is Dexter Holland's uh, uh, white gringo hot sauce or whatever it's called. Isn't white gringo, gringo, gringo bandito? <laughs> white gringo is very redundant. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Is is it uh, Dexter Holland and Beck's K on Aguero Gringo hot sauce? <laughs> oh my god, hey Guero, where are you going? Uh, so it, it's it. I mean, I guess these guys can survive through COVID. I'd say Dexter Holland isn't doing much of anything except making Gringo Bandito these days. But, well, do you think it, it, that that money is mostly royalties on this song? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's impressive. I think we need to we need to write a hit song. Haven't we been saying that for years? I know, but we're running out of time. <laughs> but because let me tell you, all of my other million dollar ideas aren't actually million dollar ideas at all. Pretty much my only option is working my ass off or writing a hit song. Yes, okay. Have I ever told you about my uh Coors Light uh song that I wrote that I've been trying to pitch to Coors for years to put in a No, I, no, I want to hear this. Go something like this. So grab a cool cool light, cause it's gonna be cool and it's gonna be light. It's a cool cool light. Hey, that's good. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know why they haven't picked it up yet. It's going to be a, a smash hit commercial. Uh, the the best song, the the catchiest song I ever wrote was also a jingle. Uh, it was a jingle for the um, uh, New York City muffin chain, Connecticut Muffin. <laughs> I don't think I've heard this. Okay. You ready? When you need a muffin in the morning, Connecticut muffin. That's the whole thing, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, it could be developed into, like, uh, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, like a big guitar solo. Hey, hey listeners, I'm I'm wondering why we aren't rich yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you put something on here about how uh, uh, Todd Todd Dangerman uh, Lewis uh, formed uh, a band called Burden Brothers with a guy from the Reverend Horton Heat, which is not the part that 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 caught my eye. It's that uh, he was signed. They were signed to an independent label that was a collaboration between John Kirtland of Deep Blue Something and Jenny Kirtland of Polyphonic Spree, who are married. And those are both Texas bands. And when the Toadies reunited, Kirtland Records signed them too. Um, okay, what interested me about that is that uh, I had put down here that next time I want to talk about Veruca Salt Seether, uh, but I think actually I want to talk about Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Oh, God, no. Why? No? Why? I hate that song. Oh, come on! <laughs> I mean, I guess if we've done uh, I Touch Myself, we can do pretty much anything at this point. Okay, well, how do you feel about Seether, then? I love that song. Okay, great. Then let's do that. That That is a great, great song. What What else about uh, 
this song. Like it's it, you know some some songs we do like it feels like there's a lot of meat to dig into and like this one despite being like one of my favorite songs we've done probably is just sort of like a slab of pure fun that that uh you know you just dig into it and there's just more fun underneath. Well, there's only so much that can be said about what makes a one-hit wonder a one-hit wonder. Right. Like like I wonder why labels don't dig further into what I consider a great album with other hits and go, we can't find anything else to put out from this. Like that is interesting. You go to uh, the Wikipedia page on this album and it doesn't really show any other singles. Like they, they didn't really try with anything. They, they released one other song that barely charted anywhere, which was mm-hmm. away. And I think this album has at least five songs that could have been hit singles. And they were, you know, dropped like yesterday's news. Yeah. Um, the the music business sucks, I guess. That's, yeah. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever, ever like observed that before, but. I, I just think about like bands that I don't like that continuously put out songs that hit the top of the charts and I go what are what what is somebody seeing in them that they didn't see in a band like this um yeah I know what you mean I was thinking when you mentioned Bon Jovi earlier like not that I I I don't dislike Bon Jovi at all and like have sort of have no opinion about like their their work since 1992 uh but uh it is it is like it does surprise me that that uh they are like just still going strong yeah I mean Sometimes it feels like the label the label's going well. It's Bon Jovi; they're writing total shit, but we have no choice but to keep putting it out because people keep buying it. Um, yeah, but I, I like I'm serious. Like I don't even know whether it's shit or not because like I moved on from Bon Jovi, but but apparently a lot of people didn't, and that's great for everyone involved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the other thing that you wrote that I'm curious about is yes. Let's talk about the time Matthew tried out for the band The Day I Fell Down. Okay, The Day I Fell Down was this very artsy indie band uh, in Seattle that I I don't even remember. I think I probably just responded to an ad in in the Rocket um, when I was like looking for a band to play in, and uh, they they put out a couple of records like '96 and '98 maybe, uh, and uh, I, I'll I'll drop my favorite "Day I Fell Down" song at the at the end of this uh, this podcast because like what what is this long defunct band gonna do? Sue is, me? Is it Vegetable Days? Yeah, um, and uh, they. Uh, I, I was absolutely unqualified to even try out for this band because they were very, very talented musicians. Uh, and they, they, you know, they put out a couple albums, you know, didn't, didn't have a hit and, and disappeared. But like everyone in, in the band was super, super talented. And uh, I went to the audition, which was at the bassist's house. And uh, they, uh, you know, I played a couple of songs with them. They said, you know, thanks, thanks for coming in. You want to hang out? We're just hanging around listening to Toadies because, like, it's our favorite album ever. <laughs> we just listen to Toadies all the time. <laughs> and, like, I'll never forget that. So, so I, like, hung out with The Day I Fell Down uh, and listened to Toadies for an hour. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> so this band that you look up to that you end up like getting their album to absolutely loving anyway says the only thing that they want to listen to is toady's rubberneck and you still didn't really listen to the album i don't know why <laughs> well 
I love you guys. Your opinion sucks. I'm out of here. Hope to hear from you someday. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was kind of uncomfortable because like I knew I was like nowhere near getting the job. <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> so maybe it was like a bad association at the time. Do, do you go back and listen to this album now to, to Rubberneck and go, oh, what could have been though? What could have been? <laughs> yes, I could have been in the Toadies. I could have been in, in, in Toadies. Or That's the right. day I fell what down. they said was like, you know, you you are like definitely not qualified to join the day I fell down, but we have an opening in Toadies. <laughs> All you have to do is move to Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> Just have to move to Fort Worth, Texas and, and say, Do you wanna die? <laughs> no, they've already got a singer. His name oh, is right, Dating right. Danger Todd Lewis. I would I would have to be the the dancer. <laughs> oh, right. Like uh, Mighty Mighty Boston. Exactly. Nice. I would uh, be the hype man. <laughs> Okay, uh, you can find us online at hiddenjukebox.com, facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, uh, instagram.com slash jukeboxhidden. Uh, listen to us on all your favorite platforms. Tell your friends about Hidden Jukebox. Uh, write to us and tell us if there's a song that you want us to cover on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, join us next month for, for Seether. Definitely not uh, Breakfast, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Tiffany's. apparently. Uh, but go listen to Breakfast at Tiffany's because it's way better than my dumb brother says. May, maybe I'll go back and listen to it and be like, I was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely hold my breath for that. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Say. And so I wait while everyone is.